Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Welcome, welcome to City of Life and to everyone watching online. Thank you so much for being a part of this amazing day. I'm Pastor Justin. I serve as one of the associate pastors here. And every summer, we have a little bit of fun with our series. This year, it's called Summer Flicks, and we're looking at a few different movies and the plot lines of them. If you didn't figure it out, today's theme is Groundhog Day, and uh, I just really love what our team put together here because this notion, I mean, Groundhog Day is infamous for this plot, but it's actually been in plenty of movies since then where it's you live the same thing over and over and you wake up and you do it again and again and watching characters try to navigate that usually gets a little comical horror movies have done it comedy movies have done it rom-coms have done it like it's a a really uh, well-known plot and so I'm really excited to preach today and get into the word because I really think there's some truth and life that we can find as we consult scripture today I believe it's like fresh air to our soul And I really believe today is going to be a turning point in the lives of so many people in this room. If you're open to that, say amen. Let me know you're ready to receive because I know I am as well. Uh, I just want to really echo what we've said so many times here and you're approaching the deadline for Soulfire. Make sure that your students are signed up. You do not want them to miss out on it. But I'm really excited today for this word because it's something that, I don't know, it sounds really familiar as I contemplated Groundhog Day and the plot of it, you know, we see, I mean, the classic Bill Murray movie, like it's a narcissistic weatherman who is upset about going to this backwoods town to report on the actual groundhog. And there's an ice storm that keeps him stuck in that town. And then he starts living the same day over and over and over. Uh, He wakes up many days and starts to do some pretty selfish things, tries to use this loop that he's in for selfish gain, tries to make someone love him. I'm not going to go into everything because it actually is a pretty funny and good movie, but it's this question of what would I do if I had a chance to do it again and again and again and again. And this plot kind of comes through in a lot of different movies. And what we usually find is that people... If they live in that loop, they actually get worse until eventually one day they finally accept, like, I have to do things a different way. And I I know I'm a preacher, but it just, it's almost preaching itself because I don't know if you can relate to the feeling of being stuck in a loop over and over and over again where it seems like you hit the same wall. It seems like you hit the same challenge over and over again. That may be something that you experienced a long time ago in an old relationship and you feel like, all right, I'm out of that and now you're in this relationship and it's like, how are we back in the same place with the same problems and the same, I'm not preaching to the right place, apparently. Apparently you all are so advanced that you don't deal with anything twice. But I know in my life, I got like the same four things that I keep coming back around and I'm like, oh, we're here again. Oh, we're at this issue again. And you might grow and change, but I always say every new level, you have to learn the same lesson again. Right? Like I had to learn to be humble at a certain level of my life. And then when I came up to a different level of my life, guess what I had to learn all over again? Humility. Again, maybe you guys can't relate. I guess this is just me. I had to learn how to be humble again. I had to learn to be selfless again. I had to learn how to be patient when I was young. 
And then as I grew and gained responsibility, I had to be learned to be patient again. And then I got married and I had to learn to be patient again. And then I had a child and I had to learn how to be patient again. There we go. There they are. Now we're, now we're on the same page. And it would be easy to say, wait, I already learned patience, right? No, but you're in a loop. You're coming back around because you've got to learn something again. And that's about our growth. But then let's talk about the other side of this as well, where it's like we can talk about addictive behavior, cycles and patterns, where it's like, God, this time is the last time, never again. And then next, next Tuesday, you're right back there again. Oh, okay. Now we're being honest. Where it's like, never again, again. <laughs> for real, for real this time. I promise, I promise. And you find yourself in the same pattern. And as Paul says, like, I do the things that I don't want to do. And I don't do the things that I do want to do. And why am I stuck in this war? We live in these loops. And I think that today there's some power in how God shows up in some of our patterns. But I hope that you're open to being challenged today to being spoken to today because I believe there's a word that can direct you forward. I was so inspired last week by Pastor Jeff's message, Moses the Maverick. Please go listen to it. But uh, we're going to kind of pick up right there. We're going to continue in this story in Exodus, looking now, shifting the focus off of Moses, the character, to now the people of Israel as the main character of this message today. So we're talking about their journey and how it relates to our journey because they were the people of God then and we are the people of God today. So there's a lot of parallels. So I wanna set the scene for you just a bit because Israel lived in a loop. Like with all of my, all of my thought about like, this is a weird prayer to pray. God, show me where Groundhog Day is in scripture. <laughs> That's a ridiculous prayer. I heard heaven laugh at me. But as I considered it, I look at the Old Testament and I look specifically in the story of Exodus and all you see are these patterns where Moses is like, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And then huge plague hits Egypt. And Pharaoh's like, okay, go. And Pharaoh's like, never mind, no. Plague number two, boom. Okay, let them go. No, never mind. Plague three. And it goes 10 rounds. <laughs> 10 rounds of this. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then when the people of God finally begin their exodus, they're supposed to have an 11-day journey from Egypt to Canaan. 11 days from where they started to where they were promised. How many know how long it actually took? 40 years. If that isn't the Old Testament Groundhog Day, I don't know what is. How on earth? I'm very bad with directions. Like, my wife laughed really loud. Love you for that. I don't even know which way St. Cloud is sometimes. I'm like... <laughs> I'm terrible, but it's because I'm just focused on other things, right? Like that's just, I'm, I'm, at a, I'm, I'm on a different level, guys, <laughs> but I can't get anywhere. So I, I'm very bad with directions, but I think even I could have figured out this 11-day journey in less than 40 years. Probably would have taken me one year, but I think we could at least figure out like it's that way. I don't know exactly where, but it's that way. But the people of God just go in circles in this desert. They stay in a loop for 40 years, passing the same tree. Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, we're back here again. Hey, son, remember when we last saw that tree? You were five, now you're seven. Okay. 
hey dude, thanks for carrying this stuff. You're a strong teenager. Oh look, there's that rock again. <laughs> now I'm 65 and my son is now leading the way and we're back at this same rock again. It was so long that a whole generation aged and died walking in circles. Consider your family and what kind of circles your family has walked in. I hear this story all the time. Well, my grandfather was like this, and then my father was like this. And you know what? I'm kind of like that too. The same patterns, the same loops, the same addictions, the same trauma, the same behaviors. My parents' marriage was something I never wanted to look like, but now that I think of it, my marriage looks exactly like that. I sound just like my dad. I sound just like my mom. When I yelled at my kid, I heard that same old voice coming out of me or this pattern I just can't seem to break. I know I'm belaboring this, but I really want it to hit home. That there are so many parallels in the story of the people of Israel and their exodus into a promised land. Because God has for us a promised land that is the glory of heaven, but it's also not just about heaven, it's about walking in the fullness and the, and the fulfillment of his promises in our life. Like our promised land is about living and moving and breathing in the fullness of Christ. But Egypt represents our old life and the patterns of sin, and the promised land represents walking fully with God. In some ways, I like to think of Canaan as a restoration of Eden, which I know is pretty lofty, but it's like God's plan was always for us to walk with him, and he's constantly trying to restore us to that communion with him. And yet, we're just doing circles out there in the desert. So that's kind of the setup for where we are. So I want to back up just a bit. So the people of God are leaving Egypt. And this is one of the most dramatic moments in scripture. Pharaoh has said, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then he finally says, yes, go. And they're approaching the Red Sea. And this Im impossible, impassable obstacle is in front of them. And they look back and Pharaoh and his armies are chasing them from behind. This is a message for people who've been set free, as we were singing today, but still feel like they're on the run. A message for people who have been set free, but still feel like they're on the run. Who, who know that God is good, who know like, okay, I know Jesus loves me, but man, my past feels like it's right there. That's like right on my heels. See, you're acting like I'm preaching in the wrong place, but I know I'm preaching in the right place. <laughs> it's hard to admit. It's easy to say, I've been set free, but it's hard to admit, I've been set free, but man, that thing is right there. <laughs> like, it's right there. I'm one choice away. Pharaoh is right there. Egypt is right there. That bondage is right there. That's what this message is for. That's who this message is for. So I want to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Father, speak to us today. As we were singing, we've been set free. But help us not just to walk in freedom, but to walk into fulfillment. We need your word to do that today. Help us break the cycles, break the loops, and get into the place where you would have us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to pick it up here in Exodus 14. The people of Israel have left Egypt, and it says, When word reached the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, that the Israelites were not planning to return to Egypt after three days, but to keep going, Pharaoh and his staff became bold again. What is this that we've done letting all the slaves get away? They asked. There is so much richness to this verse. I contemplated just preaching this one verse alone. So I might. But Pharaoh said, all right, let him go. And he did nothing. He kind of sits back. He's like, let him go. 
Because this verse exposes that Pharaoh was convinced the Israelites were going to come back to Egypt. How on earth could Pharaoh contemplate that? But it's because he knows they've been slaves for 400 years. They have a slave mentality, and they will come back. Let them go. Let them go, because I know they're going to come back. Because the minute they go out there, and it's difficult, and there's no food, and there's no water, they're going to come right back to us. And I think it reveals a plot of the enemy, an enemy who accuses you and has set snares and traps for you, that when he looks at you, start to have like your exodus moment, your freedom moment, where you're like, I've been set free. He's like, okay. Let him go. Let him go. Why? Because he has looked at your track record. Oh, I'm preaching. He's looked at your track record and he can make the conclusion, they're coming back. They're coming. I don't have to do anything. I think sometimes we give the devil way too much credit. We're like, oh, pastor, the devil brought me back. No, you just turned around. He didn't do anything. Pharaoh was content to let them go. He says, let them go, and they will come right back to me. Because he understood they had the mentality of slaves. And he said, I can set you free of your chains and still have bondage in your mind. Woo! We're going. And so often, we have freedom in our life, but we don't have freedom in our mentality, in our mindset, and most of all, in our behavior. Because actions, they direct our life. Your thoughts informs your actions, and your actions direct your life. So that means life goes in the direction of your strongest thought. Life goes in the direction of your strongest thought. So if you're bound in Egypt, and you're going to the promised land, and you're like, oh, man, Egypt was so bad. Egypt was so difficult. I'm so glad we're out of Egypt. Egypt was, we were there for a long time. Man, the food was good in Egypt, though. And, uh, but we're heading from Egypt to the promised land. But Egypt is actually closer than the promised land. Egypt, 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 Egypt. And you see how your thoughts bring you right back? I see this all the time in my life and the lives of so many others. Anyone who's ever been in an addictive cycle can identify with this. I, you can fill in the blank with what your addiction is. But let's just say your addiction is cookies. You can fill in the blank, guys. But it's like, I'm never going to eat a cookie again. Yeah. Cookies are bad. I'm, I'm not going to do it. No more cookies. No more cookies. Cookies, 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 cookies. And it's just all you think about. And it's consuming you. And then you're right back there again. And I think that's what's happening with Pharaoh's mentality here. He's like, they're going to come back. Because we've been through the 10 plagues and they never left. I said, yes, no, yes, no. And we had this tug of war. And I believe the enemy of your soul believes that you will continue to participate in a tug of war with him. Wow. That's good. He, is, he is convinced. He's the accuser of the brethren. He did the same thing with Job. He was like, God, just watch. He's going he's gonna to curse you. He's going to do this because I've watched people for centuries. He's been watching, seeking whom he may devour. And the enemy is convinced with pride that you're going to keep playing this game with him. Just push, pull. So there's times, if you've ever played tug of war, there's time you actually got to give a little rope to the other team. 
Just give a little bit of rope because then you can just pull it back harder. And that's what the enemy does so often. He's like, sure, fine, have three good days. It's amazing, go for it, enjoy yourself, feel good about yourself. And then eventually he pulls right back because he knows your patterns that you'll participate in that same game. The enemy is happy to wait for your return. He's used to this rehearsed regression. How many times have you already left and come back? The enemy isn't scared of you leaving. He's not scared of you having a moment. He's not scared of you having this emotional response because the enemy isn't concerned with the moment. He's concerned with the result, the conclusion, where you end up. He's playing a long game. He's not scared with you leaving Egypt because he knows that Egypt in you will always bring you back. You can take the person out of Egypt, but if there's still Egypt in the person, it brings them back. What's in you and where does it take you? When you leave your past, is it an exodus or is it a vacation? I don't know why this is, <laughs> we're going for it today. And you were like, Groundhog Day, this one's funny. <laughs> but I think we have to take a hard look at the patterns in our life. True freedom, true exodus is going to ignite a war in your life. It was all peaceable. Pharaoh just chilled for three days. And then after the third day, which is a whole different kind of prophetic sermon, but anyway, after the third day, Pharaoh then finally stood up and he was like, wait a minute. They're not coming back. Now the battle starts. We think the battle is, I'm crying and I'm decided to be free. This is it. This is, I'm going to be different. That's not your battle. That's just your tears. Your battle is when the enemy sees a change in your life. Then he attacks. When Pharaoh gets up off his throne, now it's on. And so many of us get caught in that little loop of just three days of vacation from our sin, and we don't realize we haven't even tasted of the battle yet. You've just been on a break. But now the battle starts where Pharaoh actually stands up and he says, no, no, something's different this time. They're not coming back. Now we're going to go get them. And if you're trapped in something today, an addiction, fear, sin, this isn't just a day to have a few more tears, another three-day hiatus from that enslavement. Today can be a day that ignites a war in your life that you will win. But real freedom is going to unleash attack in your life, but it's also going to unleash victory in your life. You've got to understand that tension. So many of us think, if I just get set free of this, things will be easier. Buddy, <laughs> that's when the battle begins. Because the enemy doesn't have to fight for someone he owns. He doesn't have to fight over people who are enslaved. It's those who have been set free that the enemy really starts to oppose. That's who he starts to accuse. So in second service, I'm going to be singing this song different. When you talk about I'm set free, that means there's a target on my back, but there is also a shield over my life because of the freedom and grace of Jesus. But you have to understand that tension. Both things are true. It's easy to just say, I'm free and I'm free indeed, but you also have to look back and say, oh, Pharaoh is coming. He's coming because he had territory in your life that now he has lost. And that's where the battle begins. And so in verse uh, 6, Pharaoh led his chase in the chariot, followed by the pick of Egypt's chariot course, 600 chariots in all, and all other chariots driven by the Egyptian officers. He pursued the people of Israel, for they had taken much of the wealth of Egypt with them. Woo! Oh, it's a whole nother sermon too. I got like six sermons in one today. Because when the people of Israel left, they took some things with them. 
The wealth of Egypt. What does that mean? Well, for them, practically, it means probably the gold and resource and silver. Like, they took some of the wealth of, of the land. But I also think when you get set free from sin and from your patterns and from your cycles, you carry with you the wealth of your testimony, the wealth of your story, the wealth of your witness. You carry something with you. You carry something that proclaims the glory of God, and it's wealthy, and it's valuable, and it's substantial, and the enemy does not want us to have that kind of resource. If you've been set free from an addiction and you can talk about it freely, it glorifies God in the earth. And you are cashing out something that you took from darkness into light. And that's why the enemy started to move because now they've got our wealth. Now that God is being glorified. And when God sets you free, you leave with wealth in you. Your testimony is your wealth. It's your story. It's what glorifies God. You can say, I used to be in an Egypt of pain and of darkness, but I have been set free, and I leave with a wealth of wisdom and trust and hope. And when you see someone else who's got a story similar to you, you can speak into their life and say, I've been there. God has been faithful. He's going to bring you through. There's wealth to that. You're standing on a platform of God's glory, and what used to be your slave master now becomes your financier. Woo! <laughs> you didn't get it. <laughs> What used to be your slave master now becomes your financier. You are resourced by the very thing that was trying to destroy you. And this is where Christians become a little too Christian. We're like, I don't really want to talk about the dark days. Talk about the dark days. Talk about it because your Egypt is your testimony. What he brought you through. And if you try to act all cute and polished and polite, you're cheapening the value of your story. The, the Israelites walked out of Egypt with bangles and earrings and, and gauntlets and gold. And people would say, where did, this, where did this people get all this gold from? You know what they had to say? This is the gold of where we were enslaved, but our God brought us out, and now we're shining with glory because of him, not of us. we got to be a little more honest about it, though. And so they come out, and now Pharaoh's chasing them down. But they're better in exodus than they are in slavery. When you come out of your situation, you're better for it. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's a battle. But you can say, I learned from it. Put your hand right here and say, I've learned from it. I grew from it. Look at someone next to you and say, I'm better than ever. You, gotta, you have to know that and believe that because Israel struggled with that notion. Verse nine, Pharaoh's entire cavalry, horses, chariots, charioteers, uh, were used in the chase, and the Egyptian army overtook the people of Israel as they were at camp across a uh, camp near the shore. Verse ten: As the Egyptian army approached, the people of Israel saw them in the distance, speeding after them, and they were terribly frightened, and they cried out to the Lord to help them. And they turned against Moses, whining, "Hmm, hmm, have you brought us here to die in this desert because there weren't enough graves in Egypt? Why did you make us leave?" Ooh, you better hear your own voice here. Why did you make us leave? Isn't that what we told you while we were slaves? Leave us alone. We said it would be better to be a slave in Egypt than dead in the wilderness. God, why did you bring me out of that situation? Now it's so much harder. My ex wasn't that bad now that I think about it. <laughs> Super uncomfortable laugh. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you start like missing the past, longing for the past. 
You're trying to walk in sobriety and you can just taste your old life. You're like, mm. it would be easier to go back. And we have this spiritual amnesia because when we were in Egypt, we were like, God, get me out, God, get me out. And then when we're in the wilderness, we're like, God, get me out, God, get me out, put me back in Egypt. And we forget the tears we cried and how bad we wanted to be free because we thought freedom from Egypt meant comfort in the wilderness. Freedom from Egypt means the battle begins. And we didn't know what we signed up for with freedom. And so now you're walking in freedom and it's hard every day. I hear this often, pastor, it's hard. I'm trying, but it's hard. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it is. But that's what battle feels like. That's what freedom takes. And any true freedom was fought for. Freedom in our country, fought for. Freedom in your soul, fought for by Jesus. Real freedom takes fighting for. And if you want that in your life, then you have to know what you're signing up for. But this is the real trick of the enemy. I see it perfectly in this picture. Israel has been set free from Egypt. They've been saved from Egypt. But now guilt and shame start to narrate. I'm not even in Egypt anymore, but I start to feel like Egypt is in me. I should just go back. This is so hard. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. If people found out where I came from or what I did, God, never mind. And you want to disqualify yourself. When your past is chasing you like that, you go back to the mindset of Egypt even though your address isn't there anymore. You're going back to that mentality even though God's brought you out of the circumstance. And we get our perspective messed up because it says the people of Israel started this whining and crying when they saw Pharaoh in the distance. Why do we get so scared of what is in our distance while overlooking what is right here with us? The Bible said they had a pillar of fire and a cloud. The presence of God was close, but they became scared of the Pharaoh that was far. And guilt makes you afraid of what's in the distance of your life. That old part of you, it's like, oh my God, what if people find out? Oh my God, what if my ex comes to church? I hear this a lot. You can chuckle. <laughs> but it's like, oh, what if some of those photos ever show of like where I was with who I was with and what I was doing? And we try to censor our story and hide certain things, but we're just constantly afraid that it's going to be exposed and Pharaoh is just coming for us. And we start to get afraid. We're like, never mind. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to go anymore. I'd rather die because guilt feels too heavy. And if the enemy cannot conquer believers with temptation, I believe his second tactic is guilt. If he can't get you to keep doing the thing, then he's going to try to get you to feel guilty over the thing. Whew. I mean, are we talking or are we talking? There's people who have served the Lord for decades who the enemy still comes in with that shameful voice of like, yeah, but you remember Remember, you're not good enough. And he uses that guilt and shame. I'll never forget, Pastor Janice preached this one time. She said that the enemy only has one finger that he uses in his tactics. It's this one to tempt us, and then he turns it around to accuse us. And he says, come get this, come get this. And he says, how dare you? How could you? That's all, his, that's all he's got is this. But it's, it ends up sometimes being the very thing that, that causes believers to give up their battle. 
is guilt and shame. And we have to remember that this story isn't just about us. It's about the glory of God. And he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And if Jesus can conquer sin, he can also conquer shame. But people in the room get so dominated by guilt and shame that even the sight of it reduces you to a mess. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, no, something's happening. People are going to find out. And you lose that faith and confidence. You have that one negative thought. You see that one old photo. You see that one name pop up on your phone. You hear that one song, and suddenly you're triggered and shameful and anxious and going back to your addictive coping mechanisms because you no longer feel good enough. Some people have traveled so far from a situation, but they're still whining about it because even though the circumstance is over, you're carrying it in your heart. Yes, that thing happened, but you don't have to live it out in your heart over and over. Verse 13, Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand where you are and watch and you'll see the wonderful way that the Lord will rescue you today. The Egyptians you are looking at, you won't ever see them again. The Lord will fight for you and you won't even need to lift a finger. I love this. It's a leadership lesson. Moses is encouraging the people. He's speaking live into them. Verse 15 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Quit praying. <laughs> Everyone's like, I just need to pray about it. 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 And God says, Quit praying and get moving. Forward march. He said, Because you can't camp out here. You can't camp in the middle between Egypt and Canaan. You can't live in the middle ground of your past life and your promised life. You need to make a decision. You need to move. Because too many of us are camping out close enough to Egypt just praying that something will change, but we're never actually participating in the change. We're living on the outside of Egypt, but we're not living on the inside of promise. And we're like, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. And he's like, I already helped you. You got to move. You got to do something. Too many people have been set free from addiction in their heart and in their soul, but then they keep going back to the same places with the same people on the same circumstances saying, God, help me, help me. I already helped you, but you have to move. It's like we were locked in a prison cell. God came by and unlocked the cell and opened the door, but now we're sitting inside like, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. You, you have to help yourself. Get up. Get up. Walk out. Change the pathway. Change the behavior. If you think that you can just behave the exact same way you always have, then you're missing the purpose of freedom. You got to change. Something has to change in your life. And that's what God's telling the people. Stop praying because the, he understands this isn't a prayer of faith. It is fear masked as prayer. Oh, I'm going to make some Christians mad. Too often we say we're praying, but we're actually worrying. I can't just help me. God, just help me. God, just help me. God, just help me. I'm so scared. God, just help me. God, just help me. God, just help me. That's not a prayer of faith. That is like rehearsed anxiety. <laughs> right? You just, you just put like the prayer label on it. You put prayer makeup on it. <laughs> prayer filter. <laughs> but it's anxiety. God says, stop that. You ain't got to pray about this. You got to do something. Faith without works is dead. And here's the litmus test for your prayer of like, is this anxiety or is this faith? Here's the litmus test. Is it translating into action in my life? Am I praying and doing? Because if I'm just praying and not doing, maybe I'm just fearing. <laughs> because real prayer, real prayer says, God, help me. And then it steps into action.
That's what it looks like. And that's what he's telling his people. Stop the praying and start moving because you're in a loop and you're going to stay here forever. It's just going to happen over and over. When you don't feel worthy, when you don't feel good enough, when you don't feel clean enough, you need to actually walk worthy of your calling, as Paul would say. And don't just say, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. Yeah, Jesus has washed you. You need to start doing things differently. You actually have to take action. What I love here in verse 16, Moses, uh, God says to Moses, use your rod, hold it out over the water, and the sea will open a path before you. Moses didn't have a new secret weapon. He had that same old dusty rod <laughs> that he had used for four decades. For four decades. It's the same rod that he found at the bush, the same rod he threw down and turned it into a snake, the same rod that turned the Nile to blood. You don't need something new. God has already given you exactly what you need. It's in your hand, and he's asking you to step out and take action. I think one threat to the church right now is we think we have so many options. I just need to hear one more sermon, one more good podcast. I just need one more book, thinking that there's a secret weapon out there. God doesn't need you to find a secret weapon. He can take a stick and make it a key to unlock the door to your promise. But you have to have faith. The stick isn't what changed the scene. It's the faith that was in the hands of the one who wielded that staff. And God was saying, just use what you've got. I've given you enough. Use what you've got. I've given you enough. And then God says this crazy thing in 17, I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they'll go after you and you'll see the honor I will get in defeating them. Wait a minute, God, life gets harder from here? Yes, yes it does. Things, if you've ever been set free from something, well, this is true. Things will get harder after the freedom, not easier. And that sometimes is so discouraging. I thought it would be easier. No, that there's battle. But God's going to be glorified in it. He says, you will see the honor that I'm going to get. Sometimes it's going to feel like you've got a target on your back, but it's actually a spotlight on your life. It's not a target on your back. It's a spotlight that God is shining to bring glory to his name. God will allow you to endure trial so that his power can be displayed in your life. So... Moving forward a bit, Moses opens the sea. Of course, the people run across on dry land. And verse 21, uh, sorry, 22, the people of Israel walked through on dry ground. The Egyptians followed them between the walls of water, all the chariots and horsemen. But in the early morning, Jehovah looked down from the cloud of fire upon the ray of Egyptians and began to harass them. Come on, God. I declare the harassment of heaven against every weapon formed against you. That God will harass the enemy in your life. And their chariot wheels start to come off. So their chariots, are, we think that it's just the water that killed them. But even had the water never fell, God was ripping their chariots apart. Their wheels were breaking. They couldn't move. He was immobilizing the enemy. And then he drowned the enemy. Like God's power is on full display here. And all the Israelites are on the other side. Moses stretches his hand out. The sea returns to normal. The Egyptians tried to flee, but the Lord drowned them in the sea. Mm. This is a big moment for Moses the Maverick, as Pastor was talking about, because I don't think this is just God proving himself to Israel. It's God showing Moses a picture. He's saying, I'm drowning the Egypt in you. Because remember, based on Pastor's message, Moses struggled with that identity. Am I Egyptian or am I, am I a child of God? And God said, raise your hand up, and I'm going to drown the identity that you have latched onto for yourself. And I think that you and I need that same view. 
We need to watch him wash away and drown our old identity. It's time for you to know that your most important days are ahead. Your BC days do not outweigh your AD days. <laughs> the old life and the old part of you is not more important than the new part of you. And the water covered the path, verse 28, and the chariots of the, uh, and the horsemen were all drowned. The people of Israel walked through on dry land, and Jehovah saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. The people of Israel saw the Egyptians dead, washed up on the seashore. This is an essential part of the process. We, we see this throughout. In Egypt, we saw first the blood on the doorpost, and then the water washing Egypt away. So the blood covered Israel, the water washed away Egypt. In, in the tabernacle, we see first the blood on the altar where the sacrifice was made, then the water at the basin where the priest was washed. This sounds lofty, but there's always first blood or sacrifice to atone, to cleanse, to cover, but then there's always water to wash. We see first the blood of Jesus that set us free but then the water that poured from his side. And that water is representative of the inner washing that Jesus does to wash you of that old identity and that old life. First is salvation, then baptism. Because we need the blood of Jesus, but we need the water of the word to wash us and cleanse us. And if you've been living in guilt and shame, what you need is cleansing. Because God brought you out of the dirt, but you still might have some dirt on you. And he's washing and cleansing you of guilt and shame. So you're broken free of that loop. Today's a breakthrough day, man. I believe it's breakthrough for you. Breakthrough from guilt and shame where you're going to watch that water wash away those things. And I'll say this, it should have taken 11 days, but it took 40 years. God, why would you take so long after all of this? Because this story ends, the sea closes, and you would think Israel marched into their promised land. Nope, from this story, then they walked in circles for 40 years. But it's because God was refining out that complaining, guilt-ridden, faithless part of Israel, and he would walk them in circles until it would happen. It's easy to say like, the devil kept them in the wilderness. No, they were being led by a pillar of fire. Imagine what it's like to maybe even kind of see the promised land and then the pillar of fire is going this way and you're like, God, hey, God, why are we, <laughs> why are you taking us left? Because I'm pretty sure you're, I'm pretty sure my dream is over there. I'm pretty sure the relationship that I want is over there. I'm pretty sure the business of my dreams, I'm pretty sure my purpose and destiny. Why are you taking me left? I want to get there now. I'm ready for that now. I know what you've promised me, but you keep turning me in different directions. And it's like Groundhog Day. I keep passing the same thing over and over. And here's what I'll say to you. I want you to take this with you today. God's plan is not based on your calendar. It's based on your character. You're like, this should take 11 days. And God is operating outside of time. He's like, I don't care how long it takes. Here's what's needed. Faith, patience, trust. And whether that takes 40 years or 400 years, I'm going to keep marching you in circles, not because I'm punishing you, but because I'm preparing you. And we're looking at the calendar like, God, do it faster. God, do it faster. Get me out of this loop. But he brings us out of the loop of addiction and into the loop of refinement. <laughs> we think, oh, I'm stuck in the enemy's plans. 
and then God sets me free, and everything's going to be linear from here. It's just going to be one thing after the next on my timetable. No. God will keep you going in circles because God's plans don't revolve around your, ca your calendar. They revolve around your character. And he's just waiting to see, is the patience there yet? Is the trust there yet? Is the faith there yet? And you're like, it's fall of 2023 and my dream still hasn't come. And you're looking at your watch and God is looking at your heart. And he says, I don't care how long it takes. And all you're thinking about is how long it takes. It's time for you to look inside. And I'm, I wanna equip you with this as your pastor. Stop worrying about the timeline and start looking at your growth. Stop asking, when is it gonna happen? When is the promise coming? Stop worrying about that and start asking, who do I need to be to step into that promised land? What, am I, what lesson have I not learned? What am I lacking in? What fruit of the Spirit is just a little underdeveloped in my life? And once you learn that, you can follow that pillar in circles over and over because it's in that, it's in that movement that you are refined. You might know I absolutely love cycling. I'm regularly on a stationary bike and I think it's hilarious that all of this effort, I'm moving and moving and I'm not moving an inch. I'm just spinning and spinning and spinning all of this and I'm, literally the bike goes nowhere. But the purpose of that exercise is not for me to have outward momentum, it's for something inside of me to get stronger. I get on that bike that goes nowhere so that my heart gets stronger. And in not moving, I'm growing and changing. I know it's a silly example, but maybe it paints the picture that you feel like all your effort is happening. Why am I not getting forward in my life? Maybe it's because the inside is getting stronger. And that what, that's what God's plan is for you. Because he's preparing your heart for what he has for you. So be encouraged today. If you feel like you've been living in a loop, God doesn't work on your calendar. He works on your character. And there's all the time and space for you. He's being patient, not punishing. He's being patient and he's saying one more round, one more lap, because I know you can, I know you can grow. I believe you can grow. And just like in Groundhog Day, one day, finally, you're going to realize maybe I need to use this loop for good, not for my own complaints, for my own purposes. God, have your way in me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes here? If you don't know Jesus, he's like that blood over the door of the Israelites that saved them from sin. I want you to know he's here for you and he loves you and he is for you. I wanna pray for you if that's you. You say, Pastor Justin, I need Jesus. If that's you, just lift your hand so I can know who I'm praying for. Yeah, so many hands are up. If you're watching online, type, I need Jesus right now in the chat. Thank you, thank you. Can everyone in the room repeat this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I wanna live for you from this day forward. From now on. It's Jesus first and Jesus always. In your name I pray. Amen. Oh, come on. Can we celebrate with those who prayed this prayer? <laughs> Pastor Jessica is about to come and give you some amazing information, but I really want you to be encouraged today. If you feel like you're stuck in a pattern, if it's sin or addiction, Jesus can set you free. But if it's refinement, trust the process. Don't get discouraged. We love you so much, church fam. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.